Good morning. Uh, thank you for joining Marianne and the professor. This morning, I have a guest with me. Uh, his name is uh, Rob Lemaitre. Uh, and correct me if I'm saying that wrong. Rob, is that right? No, that's, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And Rob uh, has spent 25 years with the Toronto uh, Police Department. Um, a portion of that, the latter portion of his 25 years, he was seconded to the Ontario Provincial Police. Um, and it, his whole career, he was working in, as a detective. So Rob, thank you so much for joining me this morning and taking the time to chat with me. No, I appreciate it, thank you. So Rob, let's just jump right in here. You, you've been with a police force that you have been forced to retire out of because you don't like the direction that it's going. Uh, walk us through a little bit of what you've experienced over the last uh, several months or, or the last year in, in Right. Well, when COVID first started in uh, in the spring of 2020, uh, I was working in a, uh, a investigative unit at Guns and Gangs, and uh, we continued business as usual. Really, um, you know, uh, gun violence was still predominant in Toronto, and they allowed us to work as normal. Um, after a few months passed, the vaccines came out. Um, there's some talk and some questionnaires that came out from the service asking our, you know, our vaccine status and whether or not we were double vaccinated. Um, on September 13th, a uh, root uh, procedure came out uh, talking about um, having everyone disclosed by November 1st. Um, and that at the time there was no real idea of how they were going to, if what the what the consequences were, whether you would keep if you weren't vaccinated, whether you'd be able to keep working, uh, it was sort of left up in the air. There was no, there was actually no uh, procedure to it. So um, November first came and passed. Uh, as far as I know, about twenty five hundred officers and civilian members did not uh, disclose. Um, and at that point, uh, the service. And seemingly the association uh, working their part um, kind of kept on laying on the pressure. They took gym memberships away. If you weren't vaccinated, you weren't allowed to go to the gym. And each station has their own gym. Um, you weren't allowed to do pay duties. That's extra duties when you're off duty. Um, and, uh, and, they, and they give excuses why, because there are certain like MLC wouldn't allow any unvaccinated officers in their buildings. So there was excuse, they kept on laying on the excuses and pressure and pressure. And come November 30th was the deadline to either be vaccinated. Um, and they eventually came up with a procedure during the month, either be back double vaccinated, or you would be suspended without pay. Um, and no choice of testing was ever given. Um, I was working with the OPP, like you mentioned, and uh, they were allowing their uh, members to test. Um, I, I was filling out the COVID questionnaire like everyone else uh, every day um, and reporting that to my supervisor. And come November 30th, I, I met up with uh, one of uh, the uh, a senior officer and they they took our badges and our warrant cards and they suspended us and they basically uh, 
didn't allow us to come back on the, any, we weren't allowed in a police facility. Um, because at that time, no one would, no pub, member of the public was allowed in the police facility. So that included us. So there were 2,500 of you in your yes. division who said, no, we're not getting, or, or at least did not disclose their status. And, out of, those 20, and out of those 2,500, how many stood tall and resisted the pressure? Well, we're kind of called our, nicknamed ourselves the Toronto 200. Um, and, uh, and it was around 250 or so, but quickly that windled down to under 200 through either resignations, uh, officers going to other services, taking other jobs or, or just, uh, um, you know, resigning and I don't know what happened. Well, so them. you're looking at 90% of, of that group that did not want the vaccine felt coerced and, and eventually succumbed, which I, is that that's yeah. a horrific state of affairs. I mean, what, what are these police officers who did succumb and, and were coerced? I mean, are they not angry? Are they not frustrated? How is the morale in that group? Well, from what I see, um, or for, because I retired, I, I, I decided on June 21st, all the officers that were remaining, all the members that were remaining were allowed to go back, not being vaccinated or anything. So there was- Oh, that's, the, that's this past June? Yes, past June 21st. Okay, so they reversed the decision. They reversed the decision. Although, um, you know, uh, I've heard stories when the officers went back, there obviously a lot of animosity. Uh, some of the officers that obviously were coerced to get the vaccine are feeling put off because they went and got the vaccine against their original will. Um, and now they, they're sitting beside an officer who stood his ground or her ground and uh, or a member and they're back to work unvaccinated. Uh, and business oh, as usual for the most part. Usual, but okay, so for an officer who succumbed and bent to the rule, are they feeling an anger towards the unvaccinated colleague who has returned or are they turning that anger towards the leadership? I think it's both. Really? I think I, I think it is both. I, I think uh, um, I, I, I've talked to a lot of the members and there's a lot of people that said, yeah, you know, I didn't really want to get the, the vaccine, but I did because I couldn't afford it. And that, and that's our big thing is my, my opinion is it's your own personal choice. Yeah. I'm not telling you not to get vaccinated. I'm not telling you to get vaccinated. I'm just saying we have rights. Mm -hmm. And as part of being a police officer is upholding the charter of rights. We took an oath to that. And part of that oath is, to be not exposed to medical procedures that you don't want to take. That's right. So you must you must have had some of your colleagues uh, who you I mean you're more senior. So you must yeah. have had junior officers coming to you and say, you know saying what what should I do or seeking advice. Did that happen? Was there a lot of dialogue amongst the force? I think the sad thing is well I, I mean I wouldn't say it's sad is because medical information is private. Mm -hmm. And that was the big bone of contention. Uh, we didn't want to uh, give our, you know, medical status. We didn't want to give our vaccine status. And the association was fighting for us for that. 
I say that because they were also putting out memorandums saying we, 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 we think that you should get your vaccine at every single one that they put out, even though they said, but we do support your choice and we will fight for your rights. Um, so as, as that, as time went on, it came very clear to the association was uh, not doing what they could. There was no job action. Um, they allowed 200 plus members to be suspended. Um, it's probably the, the worst thing that the association has ever allowed to happen to its members. That's as right. far as I know, as far as I know, for at least the last 30, 40 years, there's never been a layoff, let alone, you know, 200 and some members getting suspended without pay. Without pay. And then, and then even without pay, on top of that, they took away benefits during that time. Um, the association fought for a little bit. I think the benefits were extended to March 1st. And then, uh, and then at that point, they were uh, taken away completely. Um, our pension plans were not paid into. And that, that was taken away. Um, so people, you know, you think, first of all, you had to find a job or you had to find a way to um, help your uh, family survive this. So in my case, um, we moved. We had a city, uh, Toronto, uh, house in the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife was in the same situation in her occupation. Um, and uh, we moved out of the city and we moved about an hour and a half north. Um, and uh, just to move and being able to move, uh, yeah. we were able to survive. You're able, and, but, but if you look to some of your younger colleagues who, I mean, uh, Talk about being cut off, you know, and, and you're, you're providing for a family. You have financial obligations. I mean, it's devastating. So where are some of your cohorts? What, what has happened to them? Are they sinking or swimming or do they I, have support? I, I, talk, I talk regularly to a lot. I, we formed a COVID alliance committee um, mm -hmm. um, the, out of the Toronto 200 Um we talk to each other on a regular basis mm -hmm. on Zoom calls like this. Mm -hmm. um, we try to support each other. We're like during the time uh, that we were suspended, we try to support each other mentally as well mm -hmm. because there was also no uh, assistance there. Um, I I was part of writing several letters and emails to uh, the service and the association saying. Um, you know, speaking about the mental health of these officers mm -hmm. and the, my concerns for them. Uh, there was myself and I think two or three other uh, supervisors or the highest ranking officers that were uh, that were suspended without pay. Um, and, uh, you know, we just did it, continue to do what we were supposed to do is look out for our, our people and have their best interests in mind. And, you know, um, oh, yeah, so you've been a little bit like a father or a brother to, to these people who are in kind of a catastrophic situation, their, their careers, their livelihood, financially. Um, what, you talk about the union or the association not backing you. What in your sense, what's going on? Who, who is backing? Who, who is really in, in control here? Because they're not acting on their members' behalf. Right. Whose behalf are they actually acting on? What's your hunch? Well, our excuses they kept on going as a majority of decided to get vaccinated. 
However, they were going to keep defending for our, our rights. <laughs> so um, they went with the majority. And uh, unfortunately, at the time when this uh, all began, the association was going through a voting process. Mm-hmm. Um, so just after all the elections were done, um, the, retur- uh, the returning president uh, stayed in power, uh, John Reed. And most of the vice president, and mostly mostly the other members too, um, they uh, they they just uh, seemingly put everything into place right after that election. Like if it was almost like the service was waiting to see who was elected, because I think there was a couple candidates that would have been elected for president, and let's just say that I think the outcomes would have been very different. Um, if, if, uh, these, uh, procedures were put in place before the election, um, I think more people would have thought a little bit more about uh, who they voted for. So is there a sense that the person who is in that position is owned by someone or owned by an organization? Is there an agenda? I, 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 you know, I've been investigating, like you said, for most of my 25 years uh, in policing. And uh, it's very suspicious on how everything had played out and ran so smoothly for the service uh, without any um, walkouts, job actions. Um, That's right. You know, so you know like we, we had, I remember in Toronto, I can't remember how long ago was it, 15 years ago, we had a job action just over salaries. You know, um, mm-hmm. and and officers actually marched in uniform, which was unheard of and technically, you know, insubordination at the time. Mm-hmm. But nothing ever got done with that. And, you know, the association did it and they fought for, you know, to protect us after that. And nothing was done. You know, there wasn't there wasn't any consideration. And they said it was from pressure that people that who got vaccinated were saying, that we don't want you to support them as far as we're concerned, you know, they took, they took the whole, you know, uh, Justin Trudeau approach to uh, the unvaccinated, like we were dirty or, you know, unworthy of uh, protection. So you're, you're a detective. Yes. What do you think is going on here? Has the, has the Toronto police department been hijacked by a bigger, uh, a bigger entity that has perhaps nefarious, uh, goals. Well, we know John Tory is a member of the WEF. He's on their web web page. That's so he's the World Economic that. Forum guy, and he sits on our uh, police services board. So we, right off the bat, okay. Yeah. So here you you unearth that. That's a that's a major bit of information. Yeah. So he's he. So who is his allegiance to? The World Economic Forum, or the Toronto people, and the Toronto Police Force. Mm-hmm. I, I would say the answer is pretty obvious. Uh, I mean, as a politician, I, I don't think, first of all, the government should be involved in people's medical um, procedures and what is being out there. I mean, I, I'm sure they played along with the pandemic and did what they thought was right or whatever. That's, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to debate that. But there's scientists that and people that will. And um, I think something just came out in Ontario where, um, someone, uh, an arbitrator, someone ruled against uh, um, the 
physician, the College of Physicians, and being able to muzzle the doctors from free speech, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can see how there was, they were only getting bits, bits of information. And, you know, the unvaccinated uh, people promoting unvaccinations are not getting the vaccine were sort of muted during that time. Absolutely. They were silenced and disciplined if they spoke out. That's right. right. There's only one narrative. But, you know, as a police officer and as a detective, you know the charter quite well. These things are in gross violation of the charter. So for you as a police force to see yourselves become the victim of these violations, there's almost an irony there. Here you are trying to enforce the charter, and you become the victim of violation of it. Incredible frustration. Yeah. And, and as soon as it happened, I, you know, you wait that 24 hour period, the cooling off period, so to speak. But I, I never cooled off. I, I fought them the entire time, sending them letters and emails. I, I, I made my decision right away that I would never return. You know, my when I first became a police officer, I thought I'd do this job for 35 years. Yes. But after 25 years and being discriminated against being um, my, you know, laws that protect me being ignored, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're, the civil battles and the legal battles are, uh, are to come, but therein lies the other problem is because we were represented by an association we have to wait till the arbitration process is over and there is an arbitration process and it has yielded some results. I, I think some of the, the officers that did return to work are getting some benefits uh, backdated. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some good things coming already. So the service is backpedaling slowly. Why, why do you think they made the decision to bring back the unvaccinated officers? I think it was legal advice. I actually attended the Ontario Associated Chiefs of Police uh, seminar. It was a labor seminar with uh, another uh, uh, detective. I'm sure he won't mention it. He mind mentioning his name, Dave Haynes, who is also uh, very outspoken in the media about uh, the whole pandemic situation. And uh, we went there and we listened to the Ontario Association Chief of Police Legal Counsel say, what are you doing? If you're not back to work already, and that was in January um, or February, I think the conference was, if they're not back to work or you haven't brought the people who are unvaccinated back to work, what are you, you know, what are you doing? You're, you're just setting yourself up for um, legal issues. And they blame the provincial and federal government for not actually uh, passing mandates. And then in Ontario here, they left it up to, individual employers well of course john tory and the city of toronto were all in on unvaccinated that happened with ems ttc toronto fire fighters were fired um i know i i think their ems were suspended without pay just like us um there was in other um places people were just like go the toronto service uh, school board uh they they uh, suspended or fired people as well so do you see um, that there may be a counter, uh, not a counter suit, but a suit against uh, the Toronto police force or, you know, uh, it oh. seems to me that there should be a massive lawsuit for 
damages for anguish for you know compensation financially mm-hmm. but it, are there some massive suits that yeah, are well and and again we have to for i know for us we have to wait till the arbitration's over we mm-hmm. cannot pursue legal measures until the arbitration process is over and they say that after they deal with the group in the arbitration process, then they'll start dealing with the individual issues. And then the individual issues are for myself. Uh, I, I don't mind sharing is that um, I, I was tested. Uh, I did the, uh, um, with the immunity test with Dr. Oh, Pellick. with Dr. Steve Pellick. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a, a study. So a part of his study was not to be vaccinated until 2023. Yeah. So that I can, I forget the technical term for it, mm-hmm. so that I can stay unvaccinated and That's they have, right. a, uh, I guess, a base to test against. That's right. You're kind of a control in the study. And, yeah, uh, I just spoke to him a couple of days ago and he's actually yeah. having the, um, the actors union in LA sending people up for testing. They're joining his study because a lot That's of the actually. unvaccinated actors um, need to be, uh, you know, their union will cover them if right. they're part of this study yeah. um so he's he's actually getting some traction from the u.s right now and that's a very large group the actors that's, union that's awesome so yeah, that's- no that that's a very important group to be part of because well his results are so compelling too yes, that, yes. you know he shared with me that the people who are unvaccinated have much better immune markers uh, mm-hmm. their, their immune system is much more robust than the vaccinated against right. COVID. So yes. the, the irony here is that the, he's, he's saying that the more vaccinated you are, the more compromised your immune system is. So yes. it's very important that people like you are part of that group as unvaccinated because yes. you, you are the control and yes. you cannot get vaccinated. So I find it fascinating that your police force has, has you know, reverse backpedaled that's an acknowledgement of guilt right there but it would be, so. yeah it'll be very <laughs> interesting to see what the legal outcome is uh, and i do hope there's a serious and severe uh backlash on this because it's such a gross violation and i can't imagine the frustration and the anger for people like yourself i mean you ducked yeah. out now 10 years earlier than you anticipated yeah. and it's entirely how frustrating, hey? It, yeah, it's very frustrating. It's caused me to do uh, many things that I wouldn't have even thought about doing previously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to mention, I was talking about the immunity. So eventually I did disclose that I wasn't un, I was unvaccinated. I did have natural immunity mm-hmm. through the Dr. Pellick's test. Um, I did ask for uh, exemptions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all ignored by the Toronto Police Service. And in addition to that, where I was working with the Ontario Provincial Police, they offered testing, and I could have I could have stayed working because I had no um, daily procedure to go to any Toronto Police facility. Mm-hmm. So the, the the ironic part about it is, if an OPP officer arrested someone in a Toronto warrant and they drove to a Toronto police station and they were unvaccinated and doing testing, they could have brought the prisoner to the Toronto police station, dropped them off and left and no questions would have been asked. Um, but 
and I was working for the OPP. So, you know, and I was still suspended. And uh, yeah, there, the way, there, there's no logic here. You no. can have a criminal come in and you have no idea what their status is. And you yeah. on the inside are, yeah. you know, are, are barred. It, it, the nonsense, it, it must, is morale in the Toronto police force at an all time low? I mean, how is morale? Well, since I'm not there, I can only take, uh, you know, hearsay. Um, but what I would say is morale is at an all-time low. Mm -hmm. um, the people who got vaccinated that didn't want to get vaccinated are angry, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. They were coarse. They were, I, I, I can think of 10 friends that got the vaccine just to keep their job. They said, Rob, I can't do what you're doing. And I said, that's up to you. I mean, your personal choice. I never said, please don't do it. I never begged or, no. you know, climbed on a podium and said, this is what you should do. It's everyone's personal choice. And people did what they did, but out of coercion. And basically it's criminal offense of extortion. You, you cannot, know, you that, cannot. That is exactly. And okay, so 2,500 did not want the vaccine but the vast majority of them felt coerced and did it. How big is the force? How, you know, you say 2,500 people, put that in perspective for me. How, how many people are we talking in the force? 8,000 members. Well, you know what, 2,500 then is about 30% of the force did not want this. Right. And then yeah. they whittle it down to 200 lone souls who, who stood strong. So 30% intuitively felt there's something not right here yes. and my rights are being violated. Right. You know, that is, it's, it is criminal. Mm -hmm. and, and so now are you finding that the composition of the force is changing or is the force bringing on new people? Because you hear rumors of this, that there's new people coming in who are aligned with these nefarious goals. Have you noticed anything? Well, I think, uh, I think policing right now is a kind of a rough industry right now <laughs> to get into who wants to be a police officer. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, they, there's a large movement in the U S to defund the police. There was, you know, that movement was here in Canada. Um, you know, and that carries over and, and if you're sitting there and you're thinking about what do I want to do, you know, yeah. you know, for me, it was, do you want to be a police officer or a firefighter back then? And I was a volunteer firefighter, but I wanted to be a police officer. Yeah, and But who, who, what Canadian would like to see the police defunded? Who is backing that movement? Uh, put on your detective, yeah. detective cap and tell me who's behind that defund the police, because I don't know any Canadian who do not want to see a stronger police force. Right. You know, right. so wh wh who do you think is behind that? I think it's all part of the same group. Yeah. You know, so you know. like the G George Soros kind of World Economic Forum. Yes. Create chaos. Yes. Yeah. Because this defund the police movement kind of uh, came out of, you know, left field. And I just I, I you got a question who's behind that and talk yeah. about uh, uh, destroying morale amongst the police force to have that sense that the, you know, the people don't want you and aren't willing to, to financially fund you, but mm -hmm. it's nonsense. That's not, if you were right. to take a poll of most Canadians, that's, it's, it's nonsense. No, but uh, the media portrays it well in mainstream yeah. media. Yeah. So you so, do have that. 
You've got that going on. So uh, with that in mind, any new additions that are made to the police force, have you noticed that they're profiling new officers, um, you know, as little henchmen, so to speak? Have have you picked up anything? Well, as far, I don't know. I don't think they're hiring henchmen. I think they're hiring whoever they can. I think the pickings are slim. And I think they want to fill classes. And I think they have a hard time filling classes. And and that's to go to Elmer, the Ontario Police College. Yeah. And I also think that uh, I, I just I just think well they have the I think they have the vaccine policy for new hires as well. Oh, so right off the bat, you're you're building yeah. your force with compliant compliant right. officers. Right. So that's you know, that screening right there yeah. um, is, is dangerous in a sense yeah. because the type of person that you're attracting is it, it obviously lacks a little bit of spine and will will be compliant sorry i don't even like going that, i don't even like going that far I, I i still i strongly say you know you know people chose to get the vaccine and if they chose to get it on their own free will then i'm completely fine with that it's yeah. the people that are being coerced that i don't have i have a problem with um I just want people to be able to choose. That's the biggest thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have a, every time we go outside, you have the choice to do the right thing or the wrong thing. You know, I, I just like to everyone to choose the decision that's right for them. Exactly. Well, and, and that is, that's the Canadian way is giving people right. choice and respecting the choices that people make. Yeah. I guess my concern is, you know, with the, when they're shaping the, the police force currently, they've added a requirement that uh, sends the police force in a certain direction that, you know, right. with yeah. that. That with is that. concerning. There's yeah, also, there's also the fact that, you know, you did get so many to comply with your vaccine mandate. My concerns were, and I, I voiced my concerns with the association, the fact that um, I said, if you're going to make people get the vaccine, the, the the vaccine is not the issue here you know free freedom and f- freedom to choose mm-hmm. and personal choice is is the issue and and they never i i i work with all these association members i talked to them personally several times and i said this is the issue you have to make it it's it's a rights issue it's a personal choice issue mm-hmm. you can't make it about the vaccine and they they didn't want to do that. They ignored that message that I give them. And uh, I think it helped. I think it helped their agenda. And here in Ontario, you have uh, one of the largest uh, unions in Canada, I think it was, uh, the union president uh, being caught and charged with uh, um, some sort of bribe that he had taken. I think it was, uh, um, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, the uh, Unifor, the uh, car uh, union uh, um, president, mm-hmm. he, he, he was allegedly took $50,000 and into, you know, for the tests to take a certain test and have their, his members do that. He also spoke out against our president when our president uh, said that he would support uh, members' uh, freedoms to choose. 
-hmm. Our presidents did say that. So I do have to give him some kudos for that, but he never exercised any of those actual thoughts. He came out and said it, but we we knew what his agenda was. And, uh, you know, and I know him personally, I worked with him at at 14 division, um, you know, when I first started and, uh, he, he obviously, uh, he, he obviously, I think I, 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 I can't, there's no way that I have thought millions of different directions on this, on how this played out. And there's no way that the association did what they did without accepting some sort of promise bribe, I don't know what it is. Well, you know what? You, Rob, are a detective. I, I would say um, dedicate a good amount of time to try to get to the bottom of that because I think you're right. And right. if that can get unearthed, that, that would be really important, critical information to have in the public right. domain. So I encourage you to dedicate your time and use the means that you have at your disposal yes. to get to the bottom of this because most definitely there's something sinister it's just a matter of unearthing it. But actually, on, on kind of a different note, here you are as police, your, your, your profile of your job and your activities over the last year or two have been quite different. How has that been to be uh, enforcing things on Canadians? It, it kind of, uh, how would I say? I don't want to say bullying, but mm-hmm. it is bullying. There's some of the activities that I see the police doing that I've seen in the media, They're bullying Canadians in in Mm -hmm. unprecedented ways. What was that like to be part of a force that's doing, you know, engaged in this? Well, luckily, (laughs) I don't see myself as part of that. Um, I was in a unit that was separate from that and was not exposed to any of that. Mm -hmm. But I did say that was one of my arguments uh, with the association. I did say to them, I said, if you have people that are willing to be coerced and go along with this mandate and allow this to happen and then force those opinions onto other people, other members. And they're actually calling you up and saying that you can't support these officers because they want a personal choice of being unvaccinated. Um, I said to them, I said, these are the same people that are going to be more than willing to pull kids away from their families and, and do the whole Gestapo type thing. Um, to to pull families apart and force vaccinations when, if it comes to that. And do you uh, think it could come to that? Or is that, do you think that that's a possibility? I think anything's a possibility right now. I'm, okay. you know, the media seems to prepare for us for us more lockdowns in the fall. And, you know, it, it seems to be pointing that the agenda is not done. Trudeau's talking about an election for some reason. It all of it seems very suspicious to me, mm-hmm. but uh, um, I, I, I would think that the reason things have slowed down um, or seem to be slowed down is partly because I removed myself from all that and I can't, I don't see it every day, yeah. but, uh, but I think people are, are aware um, now and more aware or have dug their feet in and said, there's no way I'm taking a vaccine and you can't make me take a vaccine. And they've seen what's happened and they see where the service did and they suspended 200 and so officers and members um, without pay for not getting the vaccine. 
And if they try to force them to get another one and make that mandatory, the numbers are going to be much higher. And so the opposition, it, there may be a growing opposition. I mean, we did have that announcement a week or two ago, uh, you know, in Canada saying every nine months, you're yes. going to need to be to be yes. up to date, have a, a booster every nine months. Yes. So you think your ranks may stand up with that and say enough, we're not yes. playing this game anymore. Do you think the, the vast majority will refuse? I think I think at, at this point it's probably about 50 50 and if it's if it's that high if it's that high then there's no way that they'll be able to implement a mandate there's no way yeah there's no way and also on the heels of five doctors another young gal I think a 27 year old physician mm -hmm. died yesterday so you have five doctors in the last week dying in Ontario after being boosted I think people are beginning to get terrified. Do you, do you get that sense? Well, not, not only the people who got vaccinated should be terrified, <laughs> they should be terrified. Mm -hmm. um, but my question is, as an investigator, who's investigating this? Yeah. You have, I think it's three doctors from Trillium Hospital alone. Like within two weeks of getting their fourth booster, I believe it was. And all these doctors die it, in any other normal situation, there would be a criminal investigation launch. And is there, it, it, to I, your I, point, I have not heard of any, I have not heard of any source like from Peel regional police or any media source that any of any investigation of any kind has taken place. Well, you know, it doesn't surprise me because the coroner, you know, coroner's building is, under the direction of, uh, of the chief medical officer as well. So, well, I, I had heard that they weren't even doing autopsies. So that to me sounds rather peculiar, but no autopsy, uh, no report, no, no information. What, what's happening there? I, I, I can't understand that knowing I've been to a lot of death investigations, people dying suddenly, mm -hmm. and I've seen autopsies ordered for, 60 year olds that just died suddenly, mm -hmm. you know, the families can ask for an autopsy and the coroner, from my understanding has to allow that to happen. If the family right. wants to know why they died and for a 27 year old, I think it was triathlete. Yes. To suddenly die. Yes. Just so everyone knows there's, there was never anything such thing as sudden adult death syndrome. I never no. heard that before in my life. I've seen SIDS, you know, and that question, that comes up to question. And that's part of the reason why I made my choices is, is you know, that brings into question vaccines as well. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, we never, I didn't attack, I didn't connect the dots on that, but I reflect back and I think, wow, these poor children are, you know, are on a, a schedule, a vaccine schedule. Mm -hmm. And then there's these random deaths. And, you know, now I reflect back and think, there's very good likelihood that those are vaccine deaths. Yes. But all of my three children were vaccinated. I never gave it a second thought, but now I would, <laughs> the whole vaccine industry in my mind is suspect and right. I, I wouldn't touch any. But, you right. know, it's very interesting that there has not been a criminal investigation into those five deaths. And there needs to be, do you have any pull to initiate, do you have any any good friends 
still back in the fourth that you can, you know, nudge and say, get on it. No. <laughs> and the, the, I say that quite bluntly is because I think I, I sent you an email showing a letter I wrote on November 11th in 2021. And basically I described in there what was happening um, with, and I touched on the fact with the uh, testing and, and the, the reliability of the testing mm -hmm. and how much the government was relying on the tests. And we knew that there's a 95% false positive. Positive, that's right. Right, and so the numbers were out of skew. Yes. And there, all these people didn't have COVID and the test didn't test for COVID. They test for anything. That's there was right. A number, I think there was a list of over 20 things that it was, it could test for and you could, it would just come back positive and it could be anything. It could be anything. It could be it could you be had anything. coronavirus last year. It could right. be, yeah. I mean, there were samples of it. I remember Elon Musk said he had four PCR tests in a day and two were positive, two were negative. Well, right. you know, th there you go. The, the test yeah. is nonsense. And yet it was used as a determinant of your, of, you know, your COVID status, which is right. ridiculous. Yeah. A scare but, tactic. Very scare. But, but why do you think that in terms of an investigation happening with these five doctors, who would be blocking a criminal investigation? This is a massive event in my mind. Five mm -hmm. doctors within a week or two are dead, young. Okay, there's one who was battling cancer but you've got four other relatively young, healthy doctors who are now dead. That, yeah. that warrants an investigation. Absolutely. So at least, at least an autopsy, an at autopsy, least an autopsy. But I, I think an investigation, however, yeah. who is blocking that? Who? I just don't think any, I, I don't know who's getting the marching. I don't know who's getting these orders. Uh, I mean, there, but it's very, I, I mean, we hit, Yes, we have our we have our beliefs, right, with uh, the ties and everything. But I I, I believe that uh, I believe that you know the chief of Toronto, um, who was my sergeant at 14 Division, also, so I know him personally, mm -hmm. and he he just made this decision of everyone needs to be vaccinated, and there's no ifs ands and buts, and talk. And I tried talking to him. I asked for an audience with him. He refused to talk to me. I sent him a, a letter. There was no response whatsoever. Yeah. Under the um, under the uh, Police Services Act of Ontario, the chief is mandated to investigate all uh, criminal allegations that are made uh, relevant to him. And I pointed out in the letter that the testing for COVID was a fraud. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the numbers of people testing positive for COVID for fraud, essentially, we weren't in a pandemic. That's right. The COVID was either a bad flu or cold. Um, unfortunately, it could kill people mm -hmm. with, with weakened immune systems and different... But, uh, but the influenza kills yes. people, you know. That's right. <laughs> influenza, apparently, is more dangerous. Yes. Yeah. So, so... I, I made all those uh, um, allegations in the email, pointed mm -hmm. it out that it's at least fraud, possibly extortion if people are being forced to take the vaccine to keep their jobs. Mm -hmm. um, that falls under the criminal offense of extortion. And instead of um, 
making an investigation or launching the Toronto Police Service into an investigation, he uh, decided that he would have professional standards serve me a misuse of email <gasps> um, documentation. Ooh. So that was given to me on November 30th, also the day I was suspended without pay. Uh, that's a very speaking, underhanded, that's quite shocking. For Does speaking this, out. Yes, for speaking out. You're getting discipline for uh, not being obedient. Um, are, okay, you're an investigator. Can you go mm -hmm. for a deep dive on this individual? <laughs> well, because you must, you do not have access to things that we hardly know anything about. You know what I mean? Like you, you it's not CSI. It's not uh, like in the no, show. No, but like you must have a way of uh, pulling some strings, accessing confidential. Like, do you not have any methods that you I, could I, get busy or enlist people? You know, right. have the ability to hack into emails or correspondence. To no. me, I, I mean, maybe you can't say, but to me, it's it seems that there, it might be warranted right now. Right. Well, what we the, have done, what mm -hmm. we have done, sorry to cut you off. What we no. have done is we've uh, requested um, many times, and not just myself, but a lot of the officers that were suspended without pay. We requested the medical, uh, written medical information that was provided to the Toronto Police Service and separately the Toronto Police Association, advising them to advise us to get vaccinated. We want the doctors, we want the medical professionals that they sought out yes. to get this medical information because it's contrary, like, you know. Absolutely. Is that not like the Freedom the of Information Act? You, yes. you obligate. So how long ago did you request that? And what has been the outcome? Um, so far, we haven't received any documents. Did, was there a timeline associated with it? Well, I know the Toronto Fire Services, yes. they act uh, through the Freedom of Information and they received a document. It was a one page document saying that there is no documentation. Of that. So, so, okay, no documentation. So when, right. when they have that request put in, they have nothing. They right. base their decision on nothing. Yes. So how long ago did you submit that, your request? Uh, the, the request was sent out, uh, I, I believe, May. May. So, so usually there's a timeline associated with that, that you ask yes. for a response by a certain date. Any as idea? As far as that? I know. Verbally, we've got no response. No um, verbally. Um, I, okay, let me know on that. That's very interesting. Yeah. So yes. I've seen this before with, in mm -hmm. other countries as well. They get back up. There's a nothing, yeah. a big yeah. nothing burger. The, the whole, yeah. all of this agenda is based on nothing. Right. Well, obviously it's based yes. on something, but not yes. certainly not based on science, not based on doctors, not based on studies, research, etc. cetera. Right. Uh, so uh, uh, this is kind of going in a different direction, but you, you've seen the vast majority of your force vaccinated. Have you noticed any injuries? Have you noticed any change in the people? Because I'm hearing that there's a lot of neurological changes that people are experiencing who have been vaccinated. Have you noticed anything? I can't say because I haven't been around them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I, I was working with people that were getting vaccinated I, um, before we were suspended and uh, some of them felt fine. Some of them said their arms hurt. Some of them said they were sick for a few days. 
luckily none of them had serious uh, um, situations, but uh, mm-hmm. there was at one time um, 11, uh, I believe it was 11 officers, 11 members that were, had booked off um, either injured on duty or um, sick uh, mm-hmm. due to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I know that there are some serious struggles there with uh, some of those officers um, that I don't think that they'll ever be the same again. And as far as I know, um, just like a lot of situations and everywhere is that it's not being recognized, recognized as a vaccine injury. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, these officers are struggling for that recognition. Well, that's right. Because the vaccine injury support program out of Ottawa has had endless reports submitted and requests for compensation but only a handful of Canadians I mean I I personally know a woman who had a massive stroke a couple days after her shot her doctor went to bat for her submitted a report to this nothing Mm -hmm. and 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 her life is upside down she can't drive she can barely walk and she's she's not old you know she's uh, so uh, there's something wrong with that program the the Canadians who are submitting uh, right. you know, reports and for compensation, they're not getting it. The, the government has turned their back. I, I, from what I'm hearing is the officers that attended, because they were encouraging officers to attend to get the vaccine while on duty, and the officers that became sick right away, uh, they've, they, they've been compensated through workers' compensation um, in Ontario anyway. Workers' compensation has recognized that uh, there are vaccine injuries. Like if you go to work and you're perfectly fine, you get a vaccine and you can't even finish your shift. There's something wrong. So to to receive compensation with workers' comp, this is new to me. Yeah. What what are the qualifications to be? Um, how do you qualify for workers' comp? They they have to have a you know they have to have a physician say that you've you know experienced you know you got your vaccine on duty and your employer yeah. asks you and yes. you know i i mean i think it's even gone as far as if your employer has enforced a mandate and you've been vaccine injured and if you can find a doctor that's willing to stick his neck out yeah. um maybe there'll be more now um after the last ruling but uh if you're lucky enough to do that then workers compensation is compensating these officers and members as far as i know that's very good to hear. Now, as an officer, were you directed to go to any one location to get your vaccine? Or were you, was there any uh, direction given? Yeah, the association uh, um, prepared uh, many different locations uh, that you could go to uh, get a vaccine. And they, arranged, they made arrangements for special clinics for officers. Now, do you know, the reason I'm asking this is some of the doctors have told me that hospital staff, doctors, nurses, etc. are directed to go to in-house clinics. Mm -hmm. And apparently those clinics have better outcomes in terms of vaccine injury. A different lot number, maybe? (laughs) Better lot number. Uh, Do you suspect that that might be going on uh, with the police department? Absolutely. I think whatever's happening, whatever suspicions are out there, I think anything's possible. Yeah. It, it, do, it doesn't, it, it, 
you know, because I, I know that there's officers that went to other clinics and, you know, they got sick. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. This you know, is I, what I've heard. This is what I've heard yeah. from doctors is they say their colleagues that did not go to the in-house clinics provided at the hospitals. Those were the ones that were getting injured. The ones that went to the in-house ones seemed to fare better, which tells me there, there's a little bit of manipulation going on. They're trying to keep their ranks healthy and safe. And I also think, and be quite honest with you, I've heard many officers talk about it and, uh, is officers complying, um, making the system work, unfortunately, but uh, paying for what we nicknamed the floor shot is, uh, you know, a doctor or a qualified person who is able to give out vaccines would be mm-hmm. paid a certain amount of dollars to say and sign off on your vaccine card. Right. Put, um, put the contents of the vial on the floor. Thank you very much. And here is a, a little... Yeah. Uh, a little bit of dinero. It, do you suspect that that has happened within the force more than we 100, know? 100%. Really? I, so, I, I had heard numbers. I had heard numbers even with the, uh, I, I, I coached a, uh, a vaccine free hockey team and uh, we put an organization together and I met certain individuals and part of what came out of uh, the Ontario Hockey Federation is about 30% of the kids that were playing hockey were, were, were unvaccinated and had fake uh, pa- vaccine passports. So this is this but, is what I've been hearing as well. I've been hearing it in the ranks of doctors. Um, there have been doctors coming forward saying there's a good number of us that have fake papers, and and, and now we're feeling guilty because yeah. we're still <laughs> suggesting to our patients to get the vaccine, but we haven't done it. So there's a huge you know, guilt surrounding this, but I suspect that's going on. And I've heard a lot of reports internationally. The biggest one that I heard was a big, uh, uh, not controversy, but a whistleblower in Spain where there were thousands of very high level politicians, actors, elite, who had all were part of this ring where they all had fake papers. But interestingly in Spain, nothing happened. From what, from what I've heard, because they're, position, they're all people in position of power. But I think there's a lot of that going on. I think there's so many people who have just thought, okay, I'm not going to fight this. I'm going to go along, but I'm not getting it, but I'm going to go along. Yeah. If, and, you, if, if those people would have just stuck to their original morals exactly. and original thoughts and their, and their original um beliefs we wouldn't be in this situation because there there would have been too many of us to do anything that's right so if you if you were to take a wild guess in the in the toronto police force what percentage of the officers went that route what would you guess the number i keep hearing is 30 percent 30 percent 30 percent of the people who say they got vaccinated or have a vaccine passport with two vaccinated shots are probably fake yeah. Well, or, you have or floor yeah, shots. That's right. You well, you have Doug Ford, whose daughter came out and said he's not vaccinated. No one in the family is vaccinated. It's fake right. papers. She's she has blown the whistle on her own father. Yeah. How how much worse can it get? You've got the mayor of Toronto, whose family member says no, it's it's fake. It's a fraud. Mm-hmm. 
So no, it's it's just a massive, a massive psyop that we're in. Um, wh- what do you, I mean, I hear the chickens or the roosters in the background there, obviously you're on a farm. What's your prediction coming into this fall? Uh, if you, what's your best guess? I think they want to push more lockdowns. I think they're preparing us for it. They, they're doing the exact same thing they did originally before uh, in the spring of 2000, you know, 20 there or 21 uh, when they started, you know, pushing lockdowns and they started talking about it. They started talking about new variants coming and like, I don't know mm-hmm. who has this crystal ball, but exactly. apparently, apparently they have a crystal ball on uh, variants now. And uh, I, I just see the exact same scenario carrying out for the fall and, and, you know, with shortages and food shortages. And I think there's fuel shortages out in BC. Yeah. yeah. Um, things will get a lot worse. I think and it's going to get. So if you have 50% of the police force that you think may not comply with the booster, there's, there's a right. mass awakening. What's that look like? What do you think that will look like? Well, I think the service will take a lighter stance and provide testing this time. I think I think the service has admittedly allowing officers back have admitted that they did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. They revoked the procedure, which is unheard of. The arbitrator hasn't ruled yet, and and they're backpedaling on everything that they've done. They 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 backpedaled on vacation. They backpedaled on their benefits. Uh, they're they're backpedaling on everything. Now, did you? The, the problem I have is, do you think they did that all to set it up for November I, I, or this fall? I don't know. I, I just, I just find it very odd though, that the arbitrator has his next date is November 2nd. So why are they waiting to the fall? I mean, they've lost all traction. I don't think, I don't, I think there's very few people um, that vaccinated or not are in all in for every nine months. No, I would say, well, the psychologists say there will be a small group, 20 or 30% who have are are, are fully brainwashed and will continue to go along. But that leaves 70% of the population that is saying enough. Right, and that always breaks down to the 30, 40, 30 rule, right? wherever the 30% will comply, whatever yeah. the 40% will kind of gravitate to whatever is most popular. And I think the 30% with the convoy and, and all the, the, the change, the out, outcry mm-hmm. in the protests that have happened, I think the 40% are starting to lean towards not participating in the vaccine program. Yes. I, I, I think that's great, that's but it. I think, I think there'll be, you know, There'll be consequences for that. Exactly. Now you've been in the thick of a lot of drama over the last couple of years and you see what the media, how they have presented the facts. And yet you're, uh, you're in the thick of it. You're in the center of the drama. What's your read on what the media has been doing? Has it been, has it been a, a, an accurate portrayal of reality or is it completely contrived? There is no free speech within the media. I think uh, you've had a few uh, media people who have resigned and come out and, you know, spoke out against Mm -hmm. uh, what's happening there. 
Um, and, you know, the, our media in Canada is mainstream anyway, is owned by the government. And it's run so it's by a, the it's, an, it's an arm of the government. So it's when you have when you have been part of or part uh, yeah part of certain uh, events and then you see what the media how they portray it is it absolutely diametrically opposed to reality or what? Right, it's just like any protest. Ninety mm -hmm. percent of the people there are compliant, well-behaved people, mm -hmm. and you might have you know maybe even less, but ten percent or less that might pick up a rock and throw it. But the media covers the guy throwing the rock at the police and, and then the media records the police reaction. And that's how they always portray those protests. But normally protests are 90% peaceful. Yes. Um, you know, but it, it's, it's sort of the same thing where they're playing with COVID, right? Exactly. You know, they're playing with numbers, playing with stats. You're unvaccinated now. You're you're completely vaccinated, but you have to wait till 14 days after that. Why? Because there's probably a reaction within those 14 days, and they can record it as an unvaccinated problem. I don't think it, a lot of people realize that. That yeah, for all the hospital reports, anyone <laughs> who has a reaction within 14 days of their vaccine is reported as unvaccinated. Right. Well, that's a very handy reporting system. Right. that completely buries and hides reactions to the vaccine. Right. But no one ever talks about that. So yeah. when you speak to naysayers who say, but the media, I trust Global, I trust CBC, what do you say to them? Um, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> you know, um, uh, it, it's, it's mind control. Um, mainstream media has set out um, to scare people into submission mm -hmm. and um, they're going to if you're in that constant state of paranoia mm -hmm. um, you're going to comply with whatever they're saying to do mm -hmm. um, so if they portray a pandemic of mass proportions happening they're they're going to they're going to create the panic in the public and that panic is going to stay within the public. You can see it. Mm -hmm. The people that are scared are still walking around outside with masks on. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I feel sad for them and the masks themselves. I mean, that's a whole other topic. I mean, yeah. the service, the service issued cloth masks at one point, which we all know does nothing. It's like wearing a, wearing a picket fence and in front yep. of your face, they never, they never once approached me and said, "Rob, uh, you know, you have a goatee, or um, you you won't be able to get a seal on your on on your on your face with that mask." So I think you should shave. They never once told us how to dispose of those masks because, generally speaking, if you're in a pandemic, wouldn't that be a biohazard? Yes, that's right. No, no instead of you see them all over the streets of Toronto, just float floating and being blown in the wind. It's yeah. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. The whole approach it doesn't make any sense. The command center would never set up uh, any command posts. We're in a pandemic. We're in a it. You know, people are dying everywhere. They wanted to make it seem and and nothing nothing was done in in emergency circumstances. Like nothing police wise was really implemented. Um, it was business as usual, other than the fact that they give us these cloth masks. 
they were later replaced by some masks made in China. And it was, they tried to force you to wear them. They told you to kind of work from home if you could. And we did Zoom calls and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, it, it, it would, it, but they never told us, you know, they never, no, no disposal ideas, no. No, it's, it's, it's just a sham on, and you know, it's very, uh, you know, someone can call me a conspiracy theorist, but for someone like I call myself a conspiracy analyst, not a theorist, but, uh, yeah. but it's very difficult for someone to turn to you, Rob, and say, well, Rob, okay, you're, you're a police officer, you're a detective. Mm -hmm. Very hard to slap that label on someone like you. You, so do you find that when you speak to people who disagree with you or who are still asleep, it's, do they have a tough time contradicting what you're telling them? Well, I think the, the, what I see is just like if you go to a crime scene and people are standing around talking to each other, mm -hmm. then they start adapting everyone's ideas and what they saw mm -hmm. and you don't really get a true um, idea of what they're they individually witness themselves. Mm -hmm. They've adopted other people's stories and beliefs and what happened. And they've come to some conclusions that they shouldn't have otherwise. Mm -hmm. So the ideal situation is you come to a crime scene and you interview these witnesses and all these witnesses have individual ideas. They haven't spoke to each other. They haven't done anything. Well, that's the problem with everything that's happening with COVID is everyone's watching the same news. Everyone's being washed by, uh, brainwashed by the same media. How, how many times have you gone to a media source over the years? If you look back, you know, five years ago and you had a serious thing happen, an event happen, and each media source would cover it differently. Yeah. Now you could basically, I mean, you can, you can basically go from one channel to the other and they're using the same catchphrases. They're talking heads and their narrative the right thing. language is exactly right. the same. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. So they have been given the script and they're all saying the same. Yeah. It, it's, quite, it's quite marvelous the way they manage to coordinate their thoughts. Uh, normally they were competitors to each other trying right. to get the best story, but now they're all talking heads. They're it, in cohorts. They, they've... Yeah. They've essentially became the witnesses that st stood around and talked at a crime scene. Yes. They, they've, they've adapted the same story and they're sticking to it. So where's that story coming from? That, that Well, the government's paying for them. So the government. You know, and it, who's, it, who do you think is controlling the Canadian government? Well, um, I think uh, you don't have to look very far, but the vice, vice prime minister is... Uh, isn't she a board of uh, the World Economic Forum, uh, mm -hmm. Freeland? So they've got their marching orders from up high. What about the UN? Because I've heard I've heard people say they've noticed UN people on the ground, or yeah. have, especially in Ottawa during the Freedom Convoy. I heard. I don't, know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know of any of that. I know that I've been at protests of G7 uh, and G20 that happened and. Uh, and, you know, they have services from all over Canada attend, you know, they ask re and request assistance for big events. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, you're going to have different police officers in different uniforms. You're going to have, you're going to have, especially in Ontario, there's so many, um, you know, other investigative units that investigate police, civilian, like the SIU, there's OIPRD, there's uh, many uh, civil in investigative or provincially funded investigative uh, people that investigate police. And when yeah. you bring like police officers from other provinces, they're not, they're not mandated by those, um, by those investigative agencies. So they don't have to wear name tags or, or they don't have to wear their badge numbers. It, it's not necessarily the same thing across Canada. So, so do, you think, do you think there are, have you ever seen units that you're suspicious of that you think, hmm, the profile of this unit is unusual? No, not really. I, no. I think okay. I, I think every police uh, service in Canada have different uniforms and they tell, and you know, when, you know, public service uh, or public order units that they have are, are different across Canada. So I don't buy into the conspiracy where there were, in Ottawa, there were officers from the UN or whatever it was. Yeah. Maybe there was, I wasn't there, mm -hmm. um, but seeing different uniforms and seeing different ways of identifying officers doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, that's rude. Do you think yeah. that there is a U, do you think the UN has any involvement in this whole agenda on a grander scale of what is happening in Canada uh, alongside the World Economic Forum and the WHO? Do you think there is? Uh, well, I think I think the WEF I think the WEF control from are obviously the World Health Organization mm -hmm. um, and and you know you don't have to go very far you can look on the internet Klaus Schwab himself says how he controls the Canadian government he's quite happy with all mm -hmm. all the new people that uh, have been yeah. elected he breaks I think that we are one of the best countries yeah. in terms of his control. He, he's, yes. And I think City of Toronto is also uh, one of the cities for World Economic Forum. And uh, that's going in the direct direction led by uh, our mayor, John Tory. So, who's so also on it's, the website. It's, it's, it's not conspiracy theories if it's actually true, is it? Like, yeah, well, that's right. I mean, and you're a detective. So I yeah. trust you. I trust, you know, <laughs> I'm going to listen to you over the media. I, I, you're in a very unique position because not only are you a seasoned police officer, but you are a detective. So you're, are, do you, uh, do you know um, Vincent Gersey at all? Gersis or he's no. another police officer in Ontario who's, I think okay. he's retired as well, but he's been quite outspoken on the issue. But I really admire someone like you willing to come forward and, and, we don't get to see this in the media. We certainly don't right. see any of this coming out of mainstream media. And right. um, so it's, it's very interesting to hear. Um, I think my last question would be, what do you suggest that Canadians do? We're in a pickle think, here. Right. I, I think Canadians have to um, respect each other, first of all, respect each other's choices. Mm -hmm. And I think our government needs to get their hands off of our media our, and our doctors mm -hmm. and allow them the freedom to speak and give their opinions. I mean, doctor, 
it's, it's they practice medicine. I, I think that's, I heard a doctor say, we say we practice medicine or practice science. It's not exact. And mm-hmm. for the first time in, well, not for the first time in history, but you know, this time in history, um, they, they've, they've made it so that, you know, it is an exact science. Well, it's never been exact science and we all know it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think, everyone needs to be given back their freedoms. The government needs to back off. Our government needs to change. Um, you know, um, Premier Ford in Ontario needs to be a conservative again, instead of being a liberal. <laughs> um, and as far as, from what I've known, and, and you, you mentioned uh, um, his, his daughter, Krista, who I know, and as far as I know, most of the people running his camp or, um, you know, uh, Doug Ford's camp are uh, Freeland supporters as well. So, you know, you have all this stuff. Uh, you know, I didn't even mention the fact that our chief of Toronto police recently went to uh, Switzerland. And we all know what's in Switzerland um, on and a vacation. Did it just happen to be when the uh, World Economic Forum meeting was on in Davos? Or they did in Davos. I think they met in a different part of Switzerland in May. Right. How long ago? Oh, in May. That was, that was in May. Yeah. And also the um, Bilderberg Group had their meeting. So I understand right. Mark Carney uh, was there for both of those meetings. Right. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they had a, a Chief uh, Raymer there from the Toronto Police Service. Was, did did um, he happen to be in Switzerland in May? He was in Switzerland in May, as far as I know. Okay. Well, there you go. Either that or if not, it was in June. But to travel to Switzerland at this time, and it just adds to the conspiracy or a theory. Um, Obviously, I don't have his itinerary, and it's all speculation. But judging by his reactions and the fact that he's uh, he's not going to be, they're going to be replacing him. I I assume the Toronto Police Service Board and uh, service will make him a fall guy. Um, for all the bad things that have happened mm-hmm. and, and try to move on in a different light under different leadership. Um, I left the Toronto Police Service and because of the emails and letters I sent, not one senior officer reached out to me to talk to me. Um, they didn't give me an exit interview, which I requested. Uh, no, one was, no one was able to sit in a room with me I'm, I'm not going to physically hurt you. I'm not going to do anything. No, no. I may question you on your integrity. And I, and I wrote in my, in my uh, resignation or my retirement letter, I wrote that I'm, I'm leaving the service because of irreconcilable differences and employer discrimination is that I can no longer work for an employer that doesn't uphold the oath that I took. That's right. And, and, and doesn't uphold or respect the opinions and freedoms of everybody. And the service needs to pay. And I hope it'll, it'll be a long drawn out affair because I believe our, you know, our justice system has been affected by this um, and it's been slowed down. Has um, it been, has it been bought? Do you feel yeah. that the judicial system has been bought as well when you're looking at the decisions that are being made? In well, the Supreme court. court of Canada announced that all their judges were vaccinated. So, you know, and I think they're still leaning towards the fact that they don't want unvaccinated lawyers or judges or 
in, in courtrooms. So, um, and they and they've opened up Zoom calls. So this Zoom Zoom thing is, or you know, technology may be the worst thing that's happening. It's allowed this word to spread, and it's allowed it's allowed alternatives to people having to attend court. Now you can sit on a Zoom call like this and testify. Um, so it's not quite the same. So here they have screened out any judge who is not vaccinated cannot serve as a judge. That that right off the bat is problematic, in the, right? In the Supreme Court. In the Supreme Court. Um, what what do you say for people who have tickets, who've been given tickets for not complying with the Quarantine Act and things like that? People who've been coming in or out of Canada and have been issued these. What should they do? Fight them. I I would think get legal advice and uh, fight them because I don't think they're constitutional at all. They certainly don't. They wouldn't pass. They wouldn't pass uh, the Charter of Rights test. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the the Emergency Act when it was put in place, whatever province you were in, um, I don't think uh, it passed the tests that it required was required to. Mm -hmm. um, the whole the whole um, emergency act that Canadian government put in place, provincially put in place, it was all put in to circumvent the actual charter and the procedure that has to take place, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they, they did that to, you know, to, you know, push their agenda. But if all these emergency acts were finally get to court, they're going to lose. If, if, if our charter rights is upheld, yes. um, because it, it won't pass, it won't pass that, uh, the checks and balances that are in place were not passed. Exactly. So, um, your, your future prediction of Canada is, is dire in a sense of what you feel is coming down the pipe this fall. Um, you have retreated to some farmland. What yes. do you suggest that Canadians do aside from repairing relationships and, and becoming more united because I think they have managed to divide us. They've divided right. families, dear friends mm -hmm. that, you know, the society is very fragmented right now, which is perfect. Right. That has set right. a, a beautiful base for divide and conquer. So we need to reestablish those relationships, but on a practical level, what, el what else do you suggest that people do if we have a draconian government that is violating right. laws what, what can we do? Well, you tr try to submerge yourself in uh, a community with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. Find ways uh, that you'll be able to survive any food shortages, fuel shortages, and you know, and have an exit strategy. I think I think all Canadians need an exit strategy to get out of the country. I think I I, I would hate to abandon the country. My my family lineage goes back to pioneers in Canada. Mm. So we've been here since the 1600s, and uh, I, I, I would find it very hard to leave the country to allow it to become where it seems to be going. Um, but if it came down to protecting my children, um, and that would be the safest thing to do. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. I leave the country. Um, there's other countries out there that are maybe not as advanced to this agenda as Canada. So 
It, does it feel to you that Canada is one of the top tier countries that this uh, agenda is pointed at? Like the World Economic Forum seems to be quite obsessed with Canada, resource rich, perfect, right. perfect location, very strategic right. location. Do you feel that Canada is in one of the most dire positions? I do. I do. I, I, it's, uh, as, as long as the political, we, we, we keep the same in the political environment that we're in and the same people are in power. Um, it's a scary situation. The vaccine passports, the vaccine IDs that are coming this fall. Um, it, it will be a lot scarier to see what they can do with that. Um, you know, stop you from going to stores. I don't know. I don't know what their plans are. You, mm-hmm. you, you might not be able to drive. They'll suspend your license if you're not vaccinated. It depends how hard they push it. it but once they have essentially chipped everybody, um, I, I think it'll be very hard to survive without a community yeah. of like-minded people. And at that point, if it's that hard to survive, maybe you just have to escape. I mean, we all, if you're not vaccinated now, you almost feel like a prisoner anyway. Yeah. You can't fly directly out of your country and, and that's still continuing. So, which is obviously a violation of our rights again. Um, they, drop, they drop that, but I feel, I sense it's temporary. Yes. And, and, but you do get harassed when you come back from the border. Oh, yes. If you haven't tested again, that's a medical procedure, which the charter rights protects us from. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got, so, hit, I got hit with the ticket just shy of $6,000 coming into the country a month ago. Right. For refusing another PCR at arrival. Yeah. And uh, they initially said they were going to arrest me. And then right. um, all of a sudden it switched into being issued a ticket, which right. of course I'm contesting. But yes. I felt like I was coming into North Korea. It felt right. very dark and, and um, oppressive here, having been out of the country. Yeah. Uh, re-entering was quite dark. Yes, I've been talking to some Amish people who obviously aren't in the media, don't have any source of media or whatever, and uh, are dual citizens of the U.S. and Canada. And they went to the U.S. and they came back with no tests and they charged them as well. Um, you know, and, and Amish have, have lived this way of life of non-vaccines and that's the way they are. Yeah. Um, that's a religion. And to force, force a medical procedure on a religious obviously a, a religious practice mm-hmm. that they have mm-hmm. is absolutely uh, it's mind blowing. And uh, Would you when they ever- both, I just look at, looked at them and I, I, I didn't know what to say. I go, well, they breached your rights. I, so, I so do you think that there was that leaked document that came out a year and a half ago? I think it was October, October, 2020. It came out. It was a document that predicted what was coming down the pipe. And it was eerie because it was extremely accurate to the mm-hmm. every quarter what was going to happen. But right. there is some mention in that document that what is going to happen to the unvaccinated and could this end up, you know, that the unvaccinated are put in internment camps. Right. What's your thought on that? My thought is history has a tendency of repeating itself. And we've seen what happened in World War II with the Japanese. 
you've seen what happened with uh, the Jewish people. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's scary what uh, countries will do if they're um, put in a situation where they feel like they the government feels like they have to protect people. You know, and the Japanese obviously that was a, a huge error. You know, they were all locked up in internment camps just because of uh, the circumstances of World War II. And uh, I think it's much the same. I think the propaganda and the brainwashing was used on the same scale for Nazi Germany to, you know, get everyone to hate the Jewish people. And, uh, um, you know, and, and that's, you can go back into biblical situations and, and talk about uh, biblical events uh, against the uh, Jewish people, God's people, um, you know, in history. And there's the, the one bright light in all that is there's always a uh, consequence to the people who, in, you know, um, go after God's people. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, this is one of these situations where it becomes good versus evil and, which I believe it's become and uh, good will, good will conquer. Like yeah, it does. Say. It, I, I agree with you, Rob, yeah. more than anything, we're in a spiritual war when it comes right down to it. And we have some very evil characters who are trying to play God. Right. right. And, and usurp God in a sense, you know, dethrone him. And um, yeah. it's a very, very dark, world that we're living in um i just quickly want to ask you about um guns um there's a lot of hunters in canada and there's a lot of fear that the government is going to change the gun laws what would be your advice to canadians who have guns or want hunting guns and licenses what would you recommend that canadians do well, hopefully you have your license already <laughs> and uh, hopefully you have your guns. Um, I think long gun registry, they, they scrapped that. So we're going full circle where they want you to register all your guns. Um, I, I think, and, and laws have changed in many ways already with regards to guns. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you and for 100% certainty, 98% of the guns using crime in Canada are guns that are here illegally, whether they're stolen from people, Canadians, or whether they're brought from the US or other countries. They're not Canadian guns being used in criminal offenses. Yes. I think I had one instance, um, maybe two, where the gun that we seized came from a Canadian home and and those guns were uh, got either for, from a break and enter or Mm-hmm. from a, you know, from a, a gun owner that wasn't uh, cautious enough and, you know, didn't, didn't store them properly. And they got, they got in the hands of the wrong people. The, the whole, the whole gun thing is a sham with the government. Mm-hmm. And it, if you have this situation where they, they're trying to enforce vaccines on people and then, Oh, we think guns are an important problem now too. Um, I think disarming the people to um, you should be very suspicious of that so <laughs> happening what, at the same time. So what, what, what are Canadians to do? Because there is that sense right now that they might come after our guns, which right. leaves Canadians in a very vulnerable position. When you don't right. trust your government, having a gun is, is quite comforting. 
Right. Because it feels as though we might be heading into a period of time where our government's coming after us. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess this goes back to the whole f- stay and fight or take flight. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. if it comes to the point where you think you need to use your gun against the government, I think it's time to leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, no matter what situation is, I would never, I, I don't think violence is the answer to anything. No, no. And I've seen too much of that in my career. Um, that if you believe in your whole heart that the government's coming for you and you want to defend yourself, then defend yourself by going to a different place. And yeah. Don't yeah. stay in Canada. I, I and think, don't, don't act out in violence. Well, I, I think, think as well, there is a sense of if you're a fabulous prepper, and you've got yourself <laughs> set up on a farm and you've got your chickens and your goats and your pantry is full and you have people arriving at your door wanting to help themselves because right. I, you know, they're hungry. And I think it is going to come down to this where people, it seems to me that the supply chain and food, there, there's going to be shortages. Right. And so not only are you maybe needing to use your gun against your government, but you may need just to protect your own family. Right. And, you know, and that, and that in your describing, right, is uh, a horrible situation. It's a horrible situation. Where you have to fight off your neighbor because they didn't, they were asleep during this whole time. Yeah. And you were awake. Um, Do you think it could come to this? Like, do you think chaos, that this is a, a scenario that is possible where people are, you know, when people are hungry and there's no fuel, you know, they're right. I think, I think the government has alluded to the fact that they've already kind of hinted at the fact that what they would do. And, you know, we had a federal uh, liberal uh, recently say that you don't have the right to own your own property. I found that very eerie. Well, it's eerie, but they're sending a message, right? This whole evil good thing is that they have to tell you what they're going to do to you before they do it. Yes. It's sort of, sort of the, I guess, uh, you know, uh, satanic rite of passage, sort of speak. If they, if they tell you that they're going to do it, I told you so. And, you know, they're allowed to do it now. Yeah, that's right. And so I think what will happen, maybe if you're a good prepper, before that gets to the point where your neighbors are trying to steal your food, I think your neighbors would have pointed you out and, and directed the government to take you away before it gets to that point. And so that they, the government will take your food and they will, you know, you know, supply the good neighbor and he'll get, you know, his uh, credit core score uh, rations put up for that month. And uh, I think, you know, It'll, it'll just be a credit score system where That's right. if, you're, if you're a good citizen, you're going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to be well paid. And this, this system is already active in China. Right. Do you think we're heading in the same direction where you have a social credit score? Um, well, if your prime minister says that he enjoy, he, he thinks that, the, you know, he kind of envious of the Chinese government and uh, how they operate. Um, I believe, uh, I think that's, he said it all, hasn't he? Yeah. Really? And when they talked about this new digital identity coming out, they have said there, there's footage of a, a Zoom call 
where they've said your vaccine status will be part of that, you know, one of the parameters on that. So it would be your, your IP address. So they've got your, your internet, they've got your driver's license, they have your health status, your vaccine status, your banking status. Mm-hmm. This is, that's the social credit system and you get points. It's, uh, it's like a Black Mirror episode, but yeah. it is, it's very eerie. I think you're right. I think that, that that comment about, I think it was the justice minister saying we, we do have the right. right to confiscate your private property. It's right. not really think, yours. Yeah. You know, that, I when I heard that, yeah. that, yeah. that sent chills down my spine because right. I thought they're setting the groundwork you were warned your private property in Canada actually is not yours. Right. We have the right to take it from you. And we've seen that in history, right? Yes. That. Yeah. Well, you know, Rob, I, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Um, This has been a very enlightening conversation, very sobering, but Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your perspective. I appreciate your transparency and your, you know, you're brave. And um, you to me are, yeah, a, a, a true Canadian hero for speaking out against right. this obvious corruption. Right. Um, and we need more people like you to stand up and call right. it what it is right now. So thank you so much, Rob LaMajor, yeah, for you. your time. And yeah, I wish um, you and your family all the best. And uh, we will stay in touch. Yes, and thank you for doing this. And Thank you for being brave to do this as well. I mean, <laughs> for people in media and or to put media sources out, um, you have to be brave to do that. And I think if we had more brave media person uh, or people putting stuff out, I, I think we might be better off too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. thank you. Well, thank you and um, enjoy your day. Okay, you too. Okay, take okay. care. Take care.